Welcome to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program. If you have ever experienced or engaged in destructive or unresolved conflict, then you know it leads to broken relationships, distrust, and damaging results. Our program will help you manage and resolve conflict effectively with strategies, valuable resources, and support. I am your host, Patty Porter. My guest hosts, Dina Zometa and Stephen Kotev, along with our guest experts, will share our experiences, raise your awareness, and give you food for thought. We will share with you problem-solving strategies, no matter what your situation is, at work, with neighbors or friends, family, and with partners. Tune in or join in the conversation every Tuesday evening. Every job has the opportunity to work for peace if you know how to look for it. Whether it's thinking differently about the job you have or what types of jobs are out there, becoming a, peace, becoming a professional peacemaker is more likely than you think. Hello, I'm your guest host, Stephen Kotev, and joining us today for our program entitled Will Work for Peace, How to Get a Job as a Peacemaker, is David J. Smith. David has over 30 years' experience as an educational consultant, lawyer, family and community mediator, college professor, trainer, senior program manager, and author. He works with groups and individuals in need of career and conflict coaching and conflict engagement assistance and has consulted with nearly 400 colleges around the U.S. and has given over 500 talks on peace building, conflict resolution, and international education. He's been employed by the United States Institute of Peace, consulted for the Fulbright Association, and taught at Georgetown University, Goucher College, and my alma mater, the Georgetown, sorry, the George Mason University School for Conflict Analysis and Resolution. Uh, David is the president of the Forage Center for Peacebuilding and Humanitarian Education and was a U.S. Fulbright Scholar teaching ADR and Peace Studies at the University of Tartu in Estonia. He is the author of Peace Jobs, A Student's Guide to Starting a Career Working for Peace. Welcome to the program, David. Stephen, thank you. I'm really glad to be here this evening. Well, David, you have had a really amazing uh, career. As I'm looking at all the different hats that you've worn, you know, a practitioner, professor, educator, um, coach. So how did you arrive at this topic of uh, writing a book about peace jobs? Well, you know, one of the things is, I mean, I have been fortunate in that over 30 years I've worked in kind of every sector of conflict, you know, starting from domestic conflict and family conflict and even looking at international conflict. One of the things that have been a continual kind of thread in what I've done is I've always worked with young people. I've always worked with students. I've always worked with practitioners. And, um, you know, often when I'm giving talks or I'm consulting or I'm running programs, uh, invariably, you, you kind of get to the conversation, the point where people are really interested in working for peace and working in conflict. And the question at some point arrives that, you know, how can I get a, a job doing this? Uh, sometimes I even get the question, how do I get how do they get my job? Right. But uh, <laughs> and it, 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 it's, it's often it hasn't been so easy answering that question. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you when people are interested in doing good work and working to resolve differences, um, and they're excited about doing it. The answer that we've often given them have been kind of, kind of the pat standard 
answers that, you know, you can become a mediator or you can be an ombudsperson or a facilitator or, you know, there are three or four jobs out there. And I think that that's actually, I've come to realize that that's not realistic and it's actually somewhat daunting for people who may be in very, very different fields. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to say that there are only a few people that can do this work. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of the eye of the needle, and you can't go through the eye of the needle. So I've come to believe that there are a lot more options and opportunities for people to do peace and conflict work over the years. So that's why I wrote the book, to kind of put that out there. Well, Thank you. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a, a great a great resource, and I'm I'm really glad that you're going to be talking to us about, you know, having a peace job and and getting a peace job. So let's just start with that. You know, as you de- as you define it, what would you how would you define a peace job? Well, first of all, one of the things that I want people to think about is that there is not really a specific job that says peace job on it, right? That you look in the, you know, you know, you look to a website or however way you search about jobs. And one of the things that I want people to recognize is that most everything that they do, most every line of work or career that they aspire to, they can create a space within that career to do work that promotes the resolution of conflict, brings peace, um, prevents violence. There's always a space to do that. Um, I think in many jobs, um, the work is very direct. That is, it's really you're directly doing that, and that tends to be the more traditional job. So, if you're a mediator or or you're a humanitarian worker, it's very direct what you're doing. But what I want people to think about is that most every job out there, in an indirect way, you can really be doing work that promotes peace and the resolution of conflict. So, as a teacher, as an IT person, as a police officer. You know, there are so many different ways you can do it by creating that space for yourself. So there isn't really a peace job. Every job can be a peace job. Well, all right. So I'll I'll, I'll take the bait. So okay. I, I I may not I may not have the uh, you know UN peacekeeping uh, title to my job, but I've got a job working in a variety of different things from you mm-hmm. know customer mm-hmm. service to IT to uh, mm-hmm. anywhere else. So if I'm already employed, you know, how can I turn that job into a, a, a peace job or a peacemaking job? Well, one of the things I recognize, and, and I think you know, you know, we work in this field and we recognize it today, conflict and disagreement is ubiquitous, right? So differences arise, and increasingly more and more often we have a diverse workforce. We are working in environments where – um, there's heightened differences because of the sensitivity of what we're doing. So, I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who said, well, I never see conflict at work. They see conflict all the time. So, you know, if you're a business person, if you're a nurse, if you're a teacher, if you're really just about anything, there are things that are going on at work. So I'll give you an example. People who work in healthcare, you know, often people who work in healthcare are working, you know, directly with patients. And, Part of dealing with patients is healing, right? So you take a nurse, for instance, who may be an emergency room nurse, but one of the things that she's doing is she's working in an area where there's a high incidence of violence in the hospital. I mean, lots of of, of injuries and people are, are shot and so forth because of violence. And often what she has to do is she has to spend time comforting families 
um, and either reassuring them or, or, you know, dealing with helping them deal with trauma. Well, that's someone who's doing peace work, right? So that's post-conflict. That's, you know, trying to, to deal, uh, help people work through trauma, right? Um, say you're a teacher. Yeah, say you're a physical education teacher. Here's another example. And you're teaching in a school, and so you focus on, you know, physical education and wellness and so forth. But you say, well, you know, what I'd like to do is promote cooperation. So I start to change the types of things that I'm doing and the activities I'm doing with students to provide games and opportunities that emphasizes cooperation. I mean, I think, you know, we could take many different professions and many different fields, and we could find a way of creating space within that where people are doing things where they're they're looking at conflict. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, you're, you're, the definition of peace that you're using has many facets to it because it's not just uh, you interceding between two people who've got an issue – it, right. in a, it could be I'm going to be I'm, – I'm going to get ahead of this. I'm, I want to I wanna give us the experience of working together, doing things together, either that as a gym teacher, you know, that example of cooperating, you know. But there's, there's different ways of defining peace and looking at peace when you're saying, hey, you can work for peace. Right. I mean, when we think about conflict, often those of us who work in the field – you know, we're we're trying to get people to think beyond the immediate. You know, often when you – by the time you call the mediator, you're in trouble, right? And it's mm-hmm. the mediator who's going to try to fix it or at least try to help you fix it, we'll say. And one of the things that we have to help people recognize is that there's certain a lot to be said for prevention, and we recognize that. And getting people to understand how to create conditions where – and conflict – and, you know, actually conflict's a good thing, right? Conflict brings about change. But helping teach, teaching people how to manage differences and manage conflict so things don't go off the scale, so to speak. And just as importantly is after conflict, after an event, uh, things don't you know, naturally repair themselves, right? Repairing relationships and building community, uh, reassuring people who have gone through trauma becomes really important also. So that's just as important an aspect of, of, of building peace and, and promoting the resolution of conflict. So – I guess I'm so fascinated by this because so many people, again, aren't going to go and um, have that official title of, you know, uh, federal mediator or something like that. You know, they're going to be in uh, a variety of different jobs. And so, again, you know, listening to you, you're you're now saying, hey, you you could focus on two people who you know are having some sort of problem. You know, and, and right. sort of think think of a piece that way. You could say, "All right, how do I help my team get along better? How do I help my team perform right. better?" Right. But then it's right. also, right. "Hey, we've had some problem. How do I help us all kind of get back on the same page?" Absolutely. I mean, there. I mean, day to day in the situations that we live and that we work in, there are opportunities for us to help people see the multiple sides of situations to help uh, to help people build skills in dealing with conflict and differences. Um, you know, one of the things that increasingly uh, studies are showing is that what 
people are looking for, and, and this is, you know, a, a lot of the, the groups I work with are young people, college students and high school students, that there's a sense of idealism that still exists, and people are often looking for purpose. Uh, certainly, mm-hmm. everybody wants to make a living, and everybody, you know, college students are leaving college with $50,000 in debt, and they need to pay that off. But you're finding with millennials in particular is this idea of of giving back and working for meaning, we would say, becomes important. And so what I want people to think about is that working for peace and promoting the resolution of conflict is is not something that's separated from the normal activities in which you do, right? It's Mm -hmm. not something that kind of goes in this little corner and, you know, when there's a conflict, you call the mediator, right? And, I mean, it's great that they call the mediator because mediators, you know, we are mediators. We do that kind of work. But it's better that people, regardless of the job that they're in, they know how to deal with conflict. And it's not only how they deal with conflict at work, we'll say, and in their lives, is that they look at places within the place they work, within their careers where they can build that, they can develop that more. One of the things that I, you know, I spend a lot of time with college students, and one of the things that I find is, Students go to college, and they get really excited about things. They learn about social justice. They learn about the world, and they learn about you know, uh, promoting human rights and so forth. And then we tell college students, uh, you're going to graduate. You're going you're to have all this debt. Um, you, know, you need to forget about all that stuff you did in college and to go get a real job now, right? And, and, and that's what's really tragic because what we should be telling college students is that your desire to promote peace – and the resolution of conflict doesn't end when you go and start working and starting a business or working as a teacher or working as a cop or working in IT or working as an engineer. You can continue to take that feeling, those aspirations, those skills, and apply them to these other areas. Mm-hmm. And, and really, that's the fundamentals of anytime we talk to somebody about, well, why is it important to – know how to negotiate why is it important to know uh problem solving or you know how how to get along with people this is because it's a life skill and this sounds like the exact same thing of we're we're not stopping and saying it's only in one environment it's with us in every environment right it's not only a life skill i mean that's i mean clearly as you're saying that's the most important thing but it's a professional skill Right. I mm-hmm. want people to think about mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the work of, of, of peace building um, is a serious venture, right, is a serious skill. It's something that you put on a resume. It's something that you talk to an employer about. Right. Um, I think many people think about it in a very anecdotal way. Well, you know, I'm good at kind of talking to people and bringing people together. And so, you know, it's a knack that I have. Yeah, it's a knack that you have. But this is also a valuable skill that you bring to your employer. Right, mm-hmm. And it's something you mm-hmm. actually articulate to them that you can do that. And then maybe the job that you're aspiring to, you're a customer service representative. Think about, think about customer service representatives for a minute, Stephen. Think about somebody who has to deal with people that have all kinds of problems with things that they buy or things that they're returning. I would think that that person has to really know a lot about helping people work through conflict right, and having really – pronounced skills and having to reassure people and helping people deal with their frustrations. Well, isn't that what mediators do? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, there's a Absolutely. lot of jobs. I, I, um, I, in my book, I have a quote from um, 
an IT director in Chicago, um, and he writes an, runs an IT um, a firm that places, you know, technology people. And he says, in, 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 I'm not going to, I don't have the quote in front of me, so I'm not going to read it verbatim. But basically, he's saying is that I don't need to hire people with technical skills anymore. I need the people who can negotiate, people can find the middle ground, people that can reassure people. That's the type of leadership that I need in IT today. Mm-hmm. Those are all conflict skills. Well, I want to remind our listeners that uh, you are listening to the Texas Conflict Coach Blog Talk Radio Program with your guest host, myself, Stephen Kotev, and I am joined today by David Smith for our conversation on Will Work for Peace, How to Get a Job as a Peacemaker. And, you know, David, this this is such a, a really rich and central topic, and what I'm also curious about is this idea of having a professional path, you know, a professional career path in peacemaking. And, Mm -hmm. you know, listening to you define that, you know, there's this thing around, well, do I get an internship? Um, Do I do do something specific like that? Or when someone's saying, I'm going to take this more professional path, because you've defined it so many different ways, you know, what are Mm -hmm. some steps that people take? You know, are there internships? How does all that stuff work? Well, if somebody, you know, you know, I'm talking about it in a broad context, and I'm saying most any job you can apply peace-building and conflict skills in an indirect way, what I say. Now, there's a direct way of doing it. So there are jobs that specifically day-to-day you are really focusing on conflict. And I think that's, those are very important opportunities too. And, you know, many of those opportunities require advanced training. So I'm often talking to undergraduate populations, but I'm also talking to graduate students. And increasingly, those jobs require a graduate degree, right? So, mm-hmm. like you know, like we have master's degrees in conflict resolution, right, from the same school, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of those programs. So those types of degrees are very specific to getting very specific jobs. But when you don't have something like that, and when you have an undergraduate degree in a very, very different field, then having experience working with people of differences is really critical. And one of the things that I want people to think about is sometimes we, we kind of rush to this idea, well, I need to take mediation training, right, or I need to kind of, you know, I mean, there's a real interest in doing that. And one of the things that, you know, one of the challenges around the field is that there are a lot of mediators and sometimes not a whole lot of cases to mediate. What I yeah. would want people to do is, right, I, I would want people to do is I want people to get training and be them be in experiences where what they're really doing is developing humanistic skills and how to deal with people of differences. So, you know, getting an, an internship where you're dealing one-on-one with people who need social service needs, for instance, so that you can develop and learn about empathy and learn how to seek and serve people's very basic human needs, I think would be a very important way of building the skills that you need to work with conflict. So certainly there are those internships out there that are in mediation services or in diplomacy and so forth. But once again, I think there are lots of different opportunities that young people and older people, I mean, you know, I'm talking about, you know, high school students and college students, but, you know, there are a lot of people in their 50s and 60s that are ready to change, ready to kind mm-hmm. of go into that encore career. Find opportunities for you to build your humanistic skills 
and that would lead you to the ability to be, uh, you know, somebody who who builds peace. Right, right. And I think that goes back to your IT example, where right. yeah, you've got a technical base. I'm I'm thinking more of your your sort of you mentioned the 50s, 60s encore career, but not necessarily limited to them. Of I've got some type of technical knowledge. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I understand how banking works. I understand how plumbing works. I understand how some of these other things work. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you build up this set of skills around talking to people, listening to people, finding out what really matters to them. And that seems to open up a lot more doors that will allow you to be more peaceful and help other people be more peaceful. Right, right. And, and you know, our world is becoming more diverse. Um, you know, the, the kind of the, the employment setting today, you know, if you go back 30 years, there were, you know, people differences, but you know, the differences were not as varied as they are today, right? So mm-hmm. 30 years ago, there were whites and blacks and women and men, and, you know, men were in charge and women weren't in charge. And today, you look at a work environment, you look at our communities, uh, you know, it is as varied as you can imagine. So these skills of being able to deal with people with differences uh, when differences are going to increase, become really important in the future. It's really setting you up for what we're going to see in you know the next generation. Well, and you you look at also how much technology has changed things. From mm-hmm. you know, I, I I think earlier this week the iPhone had its 10 year anniversary. Yeah, you know, I, it, it was all that. Yeah, 10 years ago. But if you think about right. it. With your iPhone now, you can you can uh, send a tweet out and um, say pretty much anything instantaneously to uh, folks from around the globe. So the mm-hmm. dynamics of what's going on in my hometown, what's going on in my neighborhood, is now gotten magnified to you know who in social media am I interacting with? Um, the dynamics of uh, you know, our our, our great our, our uh, quickly sh- shrinking globe. You know, where we're able to access ourselves means you're going to be dealing with lots of different people that you n- never really thought right. you'd be talking to. And it's not only different people; it's different jobs. I have a, a quote in my book from the um, editor of the Futurist magazine. Uh, Futurist magazine is, I mean, a futurist is someone is it's not somebody who looks in a crystal ball. It's somebody who actually studies data and trends and so forth. And he basically he says something to the extent that 60% of the jobs 10 years from now haven't been created yet, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So think about that. Mm-hmm. 60% mm. of the jobs 10 years from now haven't been created yet. So it's not only, as you're saying, the workforce is going to change. Where we're going to be doing our work is going to change also, and that's going to bring about conflict and stress. I mean, think about my mother you know, was a travel agent 20 years ago. I mean, when was the last time hmm. you called a travel agent, right? And so right. Uh, the, the careers are changing, the people are changing, and change brings about conflict, right? And so they're mm-hmm. going to be needing everywhere for people to be able to help people work through differences. Well – and I'd also be curious as to what your futurist was thinking when you look at stuff like automation. You know, mm-hmm. so many of uh, uh, large parts of manufacturing, large parts of, of other types of, you know, creating engineering elements have this automation element. 
but the 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 thing that is still constant is is the human in it factor you you're still mm-hmm. having human beings who are either going to maintain the thing or build it or design it or whatever and you know we're not going anywhere <laughs> you know we're still right, going right, to be right. in the future yeah, I mean, automation is still going to be answerable to humans, and so the role of humans in those roles are going to change, right? So it's going to be mm-hmm. much more directing rather than working on the line, we'll say. But having said that, um, there's still going to be a need for um, people dealing with people on a humanistic level. One of the things that we recognize is that automation has its shortcomings, right? Um, you know, we we make an effort to use automation to probably do more than we have the capability of doing today. I mean, you and I know sitting down with someone, looking them eye to eye, uh, re- having a reassuring voice, um, you know, creating a comfortable environment cannot be easily done via the Internet, right? Um, and I don't think that that's going to change. Um, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get, you know, virtual this and virtual that at a certain point, but there's still going to be that need for people to kind of use one-on-one skills. Mm-hmm. Well, as we start to, to come to the, the close of, of today's program, you know, what's one takeaway that you would want our listeners to remember about what we've, either what we've discussed or something that we, we haven't talked about that you think is important for our listeners? Well, one of the things I want people to think about is that having a job that works for peace, a peace job, is not elusive. It's really, it's kind of the old saying, you know, if I want to look for uh, happiness, I'll, I'll look in my own backyard kind of a thing, rather mm-hmm. rather than looking far away. That, that I would encourage people to look in their own backyard, to look at the work that they're doing now. And if, if they're trying to find more meaning and use more skills, look at what they're doing now and look at places within that. Maybe take on a new assignment, right? Look in your business or your company where there are differences and go to your supervisor and say, look, I see that there's a difference there and I know it's hurting productivity. Can I sit down with those parties and maybe uh, help them kind of work through the differences? Or maybe look at some untapped training that's necessary. Maybe I can develop a course to do that. Or, you know, look at the places within where you are now in trying to do something different that has to do with building peace and dealing with conflict. That's what I would ask people to do. Mm-hmm. And that's that's such that's such great advice because as I was listening to your examples before, it could be something along the lines of, hey, this, you know, Bob's here. Uh, you know, Bob started, you know, say, end, end, end of November. Everyone was off in December. We're now going pedal to the metal in January. And does Bob really know what's going on? Ah, you right. know, maybe right. I right. could, maybe I could help that guy out. You know, right, um, right, because because if he doesn't know what's going on, it's going to be frustrating. Frustration leads to conflict. Conflict leads to needs that are not being satisfied. What can I do? early on to support Bob. That's uh, the work of dealing and promoting peace. Right. And and so it's something where there's the formal training that people can mm-hmm. get, but there's also in the sense that, you know, just the, the, the informal or common sense of, yeah, you know, I realize that maybe everybody doesn't have this information or not everybody's on the same page. And if I go and I decide I'm going to uh, engage that directly, either, you know, go to your boss or just do it yourself, you're in a sense going to be working for peace. 
Is is is, is that part of, of of how you're looking it, at exactly, it? Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's a broader view of looking at peace. That is, once again, you know, we want to promote people who do peace work that are looking at it in the broadest way. We want to look at prevention. We want to look at things that happen after conflict. And as a result, there's 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 lot that we can work on. So, one of the things that we do in in every um, uh, episode of our program is to talk about what would be some sort of follow up, uh, you know, assignment for the week, some way for our listeners to to, to engage more deeply with um, the topic. And so, for what we've discussed today, if you were going to mm-hmm. go give some uh, assignment to our listeners that they could follow up with on, what would you uh, recommend to them? Well, one of the things that I think, you know, whenever we deal with conflict, we have to understand ourselves, right? And we have to understand what our own threshold of dealing with differences are, right? So, you know, working for peace assumes that everybody wants to do it, and some people it's kind of hard to do. So one of the things that I recommend for people early on is to kind of think internally and think about their capacity of working with people, the differences and how they can build that. Um, there are things that people can do. You know, there are maybe courses and readings. One of the things that I, that I often send students to, uh, this is when I was at the U.S. Institute of Peace, I was working for something called the Global Peace Building Center. And if you go to the U.S. Institute of Peace and you go to the Global Peace Building Center, there, you're familiar with the Thomas Kilman Styles Conflict Styles Assessment, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. known in our field and helps people do it. Well, USIP has that assessment online for free, so people can take it. And if you go mm. to the website, you can actually take the Styles Assessment. And if you remember, you come out with, you know, five different kind of ways that you kind of default when you're dealing with conflict. You know, you're either a an avoider or you're a confronter or whatever it may be. I think that that's a good way of starting, maybe taking a test like that. Or, And you could, the USIP website is www – well, it's the Global Peace Building Center. It's www.buildingpeace.org. If you go to buildingpeace.org and you look for conflict styles, you can find it. That would be a fun way of starting out and finding out what is the type of person that I am and can I then deal with people of differences. So that would be a little bit of homework that I think someone could do. So basically, you could go to uh, the U.S. Institute of Peace website, and it's the Global uh, Peace Building Center. And right, you can go right. and then find the Global Peace, and 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 you can go there, and then you can find a link to conflict styles, and you can take the test. So it you takes can you take about the test. That's, and that, that's that's a way for you to get some direct feedback yourself for how to actually. Uh, learn some insights about how you look at conflict, how you deal with conflict. Right, um, right, right. So, I mean, I, I, we know, we know as as mediators, we have to we have to know ourselves first, right? And we right, have to know what right. we can and cannot do. So this is a way of at least starting people off that way. Mm-hmm. And then, so David, how can folks reach you? How can folks find your book? You know, sure. uh, help us uh, better connect to you. Yeah, yeah. I, so probably the best way is going to my website which is www.davidjsmithconsulting.com. So it's all one word, davidjsmithconsulting.com. If you go to my website, which is also my blog and my website, there's a link there that you can go to to send you to my publisher. You can buy the book. The book is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and then it's directly from my publisher, uh, which is Information Age Publishing, and you can go there. 
So those are those are the the, the ways to reach you. We've got we've got a, a better understanding of some of the fundamentals of how to work for peace. What's your what's your closing thoughts uh, for um for our listeners today? Well, one of the things I always think about is I always think about this quote by Eleanor Roosevelt. Now we think about Eleanor Roosevelt as someone who, you know, after her husband died, she kind of after Franklin Roosevelt died, she kind of came into her being, and she was an advocate for the United Nations. She once said, uh, talking about peace, she says, "It isn't enough to talk about peace; one must believe in it, and it isn't enough to believe in it; one must work at it." And it's that working at it that I want people to focus on. I think we talk about believing at peace and wanting peace, but we don't always focus at working at peace. So that's what I want to leave people with, thinking about how you can work for peace. Well, David, thank you again for being on our program, and and what a great uh, way to start off our new year. We really appreciated you. We really appreciate having you on with us today. It was a pleasure, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Texas Conflict Coach. We hope you enjoyed the program. You can find all of our podcasts archived to listen at your convenience at texasconflictcoach.com or download the podcast at iTunes or Stitcher Radio. You can also become a Facebook fan of Conflict Connections or Twitter me at TX Conflict Coach.